It's time to get more facts about the vax. Let's talk about community responsibility on this episode of Pushback. you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Greetings, everyone, and welcome once again to Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and let me tell you about my week this week. Uh, We just finished hunting season in Minnesota. It's been actually a a beautiful uh, fall season. Uh, And I know, hopefully I won't get any angry letters from those who are defending the deer in our area, but when you drive into town and you almost hit a deer every single time you drive, you're very happy when the population gets thinned out a little. So I'm glad that season's over and hopefully it'll be a safer commute for us to wherever we're going uh, in the country that we live. Uh, We uh, had another Vikings win. Um, Excuse the analogy, but being a Vikings fan is a little bit like, you know, that girl that dates that dopey guy and he keeps saying dopey things and she finally like she's finally like, that's it. I'm out of here. And he's like, no, I'll be better. I won't say those things anymore. And he sort of lures you back in with the charm only to say dopey things again later. That's kind of the relationship that uh, Vikings fans have with their team. We started out one and five, and now we've won three in a row again. Now, you might say, well, that sounds awesome because we're kind of back in the playoff picture again. Um, But I've played this song and dance before, so we're going to see how this plays out. I'm a diehard fan. What can I say? I'll get lulled in just like everybody else, Um, reeled in like a sea bass, so... We'll see how it goes, but they won again, so that's three in a row for my Vikings, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, However, uh, there's been a huge spike in COVID in our area and most likely in your area as well. There's really no coincidence that the spike is taking place uh, as the season starts to get colder, people are moving indoors, kids are back into school. Uh, We would certainly expect to see a surge and a spike, and that is what we're seeing. Uh, This episode is about facts about the vax. This is my fourth installment entitled facts about the vax because I feel so strongly about this Uh, and I want to talk about community responsibility and, and you'll understand what I mean by that as I go further into this discussion. Let me talk about a member or members of your community. Uh, That is the healthcare workers. I am one of them. I am uh, somewhat on the very much on the front lines here in my community, and I've been seeing a lot of people in my ER uh, with COVID, a lot of serious cases and problems that have been going on. And I'm reporting to you as my listener that healthcare workers are getting tired uh, and they're getting sick uh, in our little community. Uh, not a huge hospital, although our hospital is growing. Uh, at one point, we had 54 employees out. That's a lot for us. And that makes it harder for those of us who are still there trying to cover shifts and working. So when I say that we're getting sick and tired, we are literally getting sick and tired. And uh, and that's a problem. Uh, so let me tell you about one more thing about my week is that the Claussen family, uh, we've all contracted COVID. <laughs> 
Oh, so we have been quarantined actually uh, shortly after my last podcast. Uh, it's kind of been going through our household uh, and I guess the show must go on. So here I am somewhat uh, symptomatic. I have some aches. Uh, I took some ibuprofen, so hopefully I can get through this. So please excuse me if I do cough. My voice is a little gravelly. Uh, I have a little bit of a headache, uh, but my experience with COVID is that so far it hasn't been too bad, and that's true for all of our family members. If this is as as bad as it gets for me, uh, I would describe it as mild. Uh, there's I feel very tired and worn out, and that's been the experience with most of my family members, uh, all eight of us who are in the house right now, uh, I believe all have symptoms and maybe this isn't going to turn out to be too bad for us because, you know, then we'll have some immunity. We'll get through this. Uh, obviously it affects our jobs and our work, but, uh, I think things are going to be okay. So, uh, that's my experience. We've spent a lot of time playing games and doing the best that we can. Uh, most of the games, uh, the Claussen family is very competitive and most of the games, we have what we call the belt, which is kind of like, you know, the boxing belt. It's the champion belt. The one who wears the belt is the current champion. So at the time of recording this, and this is obviously for my children to hear, um, I have the belt in ping pong. Now, we all wait for the ibuprofen to kind of kick in, and then we play a little bit of ping pong. And I have the singles and the doubles belt in ping pong. I have the belt in canasta as my wife is my partner. And currently, as I'm recording this, I have the cribbage belt. Now, the cribbage belt changes very quickly, and I have not had it much. So I'm just going to happily report that as I'm recording this, I have the belt in cribbage. So it's been kind of a good week as far as that goes, other than the whole quarantine thing. Um, I've done pretty well as far as game playing. So there is hope on the horizon, horizon and uh, in regards to vaccines, and it's interesting because it just happens to be the week or two after the election, all of a sudden, all of the major news media and newspapers are covering news about the vaccine. Very interesting that they chose that timing. It's talked a lot about it about it now. Uh, very two specific vaccines that have uh, started going through trials and have had incredibly promising results. And so, for those of us who are in the healthcare field, this is very encouraging for us uh, that there is uh, encouraging news on the horizon. Uh, we talked last week real quickly about the Pfizer vaccine. It's still showing to be about ninety percent effective. Uh, that there's a new Moderna, M-O-N-D-E-R-N-A, a company making a vaccine that is, the initial studies showed 95% effective. Uh, and those 5% that did uh, get COVID despite getting the vaccine, their illness was extremely mild. Um, so that's also very encouraging. And we do see that with the flu vaccine as well, that those who have been vaccinated, even if they get influenza, uh, usually it's a much less severe uh, case of influenza. So just to put it in perspective, one being 90% effective, one being 95% effective, that has blown the projections out of the water. In fact, for an FDA requirement for a vaccine, it needs to be 50% effective. 
So these results are extremely encouraging. Uh, now, of course, the question is how fast can we get it? Uh, and uh, that'll have to be uh, finishing some trials that are happening right now, uh, but we are encouraged. It most likely will be two injections about one month apart. And I'm happy to report, I mentioned this real quickly in last podcast, but I will say this about the new Moderna vaccine as well, that these are both ethically derived vaccines. So we're two for two as far as those go. They don't use cells. In fact, they use kind of a, a, a new technology that is very promising and obviously based on the immune response, incredibly promising. Uh, but it works in a different way, and I won't bore you with all the details, uh, but it doesn't use cells at all in its production. It actually relies on something called a spike protein, and you may hear that term uh, popping up more and more over the next several months. Uh, it, it actually introduces uh, uh, mRNA into a cell, and the cell then uh, require, uh, creates a production then uh, of antibodies to this protein. And instead of using a weakened version of the virus, it's actually just using the spike protein. So it's, a, it's extremely safe. Uh, and the results so far has been extremely effective. And it's very ethically derived. So I like that combination of things uh, uh, for the use of this vaccine. Uh, most likely healthcare workers such as myself are going to be the first line uh, that gets this vaccine as well as the most vulnerable. Uh, now, whether that's going to be immunocompromised folks or the elderly, that's still yet to be determined. Um, so I will take it when it's available. Now, I have COVID-19 this week. I'm going to develop some immunity to this. Um, now, natural immunity uh, is going to be about three months is what they're saying. That's not very long. Um, I'll be good for about three months, most likely. Uh, but uh, it's going to be critical that our community and our, our, our population gets vaccinated because we're getting a robust immune response, especially with that booster dose. Um, so when it comes, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it proudly uh, because I believe this is a pathway to end this craziness, uh, this nightmare that is COVID-19. Uh, historically, that's always been true. It's been the vaccines intervening on behalf of the population that has made the biggest difference. And remember, I talked about this before, and I encourage you, if you're new to this discussion, the facts about the vax, this is my fourth installment. I encourage you to go back to the other three installments because I, I believe I, I at least uh, in an honoring way uh, give my position on vaccines and how important they are. Now, remember, I, in my opinion, a, um, a strong immune system is immune. Which is, which is the stronger immune system, one that is susceptible or one that is immune? And vaccines create an immunity. And remember, now this is important. This isn't a chemical or artificial immunity. This is triggering your own natural immune system to create antibodies that fight a future infection. This is exactly what we want. And we're actually getting a more robust response with the vaccine than you would even get with the actual disease itself. So the strongest immune systems are immune. That's what we want in our community, our individuals and, and peoples in our community being immune. And that's what vaccines offer us. So I want to turn some attention uh, towards current polling uh, regarding the attitudes about vaccinations. I think this is somewhat eye-opening. And remember, my heart in doing these podcasts 
uh, even while I'm infected with COVID, <laughs> is to get responses from you. And I appreciate the feedback that I've been getting from people because I want this to be a discussion, an honoring discussion about these issues that affect our culture. So there's been polls that came out around July or August uh, that said about 75 to 80% of Democrats, interestingly, uh, would be in favor of taking the vaccine once it becomes available. 49% of Republicans. It kind of made me scratch my head a little bit about that. Now, as the election approached and toward the beginning of November, it's pretty much 50% all the way across the board. So this is where I get confused. And I would love for some of my listeners to answer some of these questions that I'm going to propose to you. So when they talk about uh, being concerned about how they have you know, put out this vaccine or that it's gone out, gone too fast or that there is some nefarious um, motive behind it. Um, my question to the 49% of Republicans is, do you think that Trump is doing this? Do you think Trump is the nefarious agent because he is the one who has actually uh, championed Operation Warp Speed, which has actually brought all of the development of these vaccines uh, and removed the red tape. He did not remove, and I repeat, he did not remove the safety measures connected to the research of the vaccines. He removed the red tape, the bureaucratic red tape that, uh, that hinders the approval of vaccines. This is why we could move so quickly on the development of vaccines. So why are Republicans uh, polling so low? Now, Republicans bristle historically at anything that's imposed on them by government. And I get that. And, and once again, I'm not proposing a mandated vaccine. But I believe, and this is maybe a bold statement, but I believe that history will show that Donald Trump, President Trump, has saved significant, perhaps hundreds of thousands of lives by championing Operation Warp Speed and bringing uh, a successful, a highly successful vaccination. I think, I think this vaccine will be highly successful and it will ultimately get us out of this pandemic. I hope that history will look back and realize that his leadership and his ability to move things forward at warp speed is going to be one of the, the greatest uh, life-saving measures that a president maybe perhaps have ever indoctrinated outside of wartime. That's a big thing to say. Now, the Democrats were 75 to 80% at, in the summertime. And then when Trump started uh, advocating that this vaccine could be available before the election, all of a sudden the numbers dropped down to 50%. And my question is, is are, are you making your decision for you and your family based on politics? See, I hope, I hope that there's a change on both sides of the aisle and we start thinking about America, about us as healthcare workers, about the vulnerable population. We need to change our mindset. We need to get our mindset off of politics and we need to turn in regards to this COVID discussion on on the vulnerable populations right now that are suffering and that are hurting. And I believe that vaccines are the ones, are the, is the avenue or, the, or the, um, the impetus that will get us across that finish line. There have been a lot of conspiracy theories about tracking devices and that they want to restrict our movements. And, and my question for those who believe that is who is they? <laughs> who is they that want to do that? 
I, 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 I honestly, I'm not being sarcastic or mean spirited. I just really want to know who people are thinking because it's Donald Trump is the one who is championing this. And so if we think that it's him that's doing it, um, I would like to hear people's opinion regarding that. And if they wanted to put something in a vaccine that tracks us or marks us or do, does something um, sinister like that, uh, there would be a lot of other opportunities over the past several years, even the flu vaccination that's offered every single year. So there's nothing necessarily different or special about this um, other than we need to get it going quickly. So I understand and I, and I, and I predict that many people will take a wait-and-see type attitude towards this vaccine, meaning let's all the healthcare workers take it and see how they react and respond. And I'm okay with that. I guess that's a fair way of approaching things. Um, but let's talk about herd immunity. It's a term that's been coming up a lot. And, and there's a, a thought or a process that says, you know, if enough people just get it, that we will be immune and uh, herd immunity then will create uh, uh, an atmosphere where this, this virus just simply drifts away. Well, let me put this in perspective for you. Herd immunity will happen when we get to about 80 to 90% immune. Those are high numbers. Now, remember, so far what we're thinking as far as natural immunity, at least that's what they're telling us as healthcare workers who have contracted COVID, such as myself, that I will be good for about three months, in which case I will once again be susceptible. That's not very long. That's not a long-lasting immunity, and it's certainly not long enough for us to achieve herd immunity. We really need to target vaccinations and get those to 75, 80, 85% of our population at which point we will see COVID-19 drift away because it'll be a, a, a long enough lasting, um, uh, um, a, a, a robust response of this vaccine that will actually um, make, it so the vaccine, for, make it so the virus has no place to land. So we need to get on board. And in my heart in releasing these series of the facts about the vax is to convince you um, the importance and the safety and the efficacy of vaccines and convince you from a cultural standpoint that I believe it's the right thing to do. Now, again, I've said this from the beginning. These are my opinions, um, and I'm interested and value your opinion and will certainly honor those as you make an informed decision for you and your family. I think that's key. Facebook doesn't count. Google searches don't count. We need to have an informed decision by people that we trust that, that have a scientific background that's able to prevent, present this information to you in an honorable, systematic way. You know, I read a really good article uh, by a Jennifer Reich. Uh, it was in Vox Magazine, and she's a professor of sociology at the University of Colorado in Denver. And she coins a term which I thought was interesting, and I just want to read this with you. A term called individualist parenting. Individualist parenting. And it's one that insists parents are personally responsible for their own children, but not other children. And, and she makes the case that we should appeal to parents' sense of community responsibility. That's the name of this podcast. And when I hear the word community responsibility, the word that leaps into my mind is culture. 
that we can actually be culturally motivated and have a cultural mindset that we can actually make informed decisions for us and for our family, but also what's safe and effective for our community. It's safe and effective for our community. We would think it irresponsible of a driver to ignore all traffic regulations on the presumption that other drivers will watch out for him or her. In the same way, we shouldn't rely on people around us to stop the spread of disease. We, too, must do what we can. So Reich, Reich, um, Jennifer Reich writes, Parents should consider that those too young, too old, or too immunocompromised to be vaccinated might benefit most from the herd immunity caused by mass vaccination. See, it's mass vaccination that gets us over the finish line. And I have more to say about facts about the vax, and there most likely will be more installments because I still have more to say because I want to talk about some of the history of vaccination so that we know how we have achieved great results from this in the past. We have to learn from our history. We have to. She continues, like high-quality education, safe drinking water, food inspection, or any number of resources children need to thrive, infectious diseases cannot be controlled with individual hard work and thus cannot remain a private concern. In the end, we must find ways to protect each other's children and support everyone's family. Now, I'm going to repeat this one more time. I do not advocate mandatory vaccination. And we talked about this in a previous podcast. I believe the role of government is to inform and then get out of the way. That's what Ronald Reagan said, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. But I do hope that an informed public will make an informed decision. And that's a small part that I can play. I want, to, I want to be a voice that you can trust, and I want you to proceed with vaccination with a, with a confidence that, that someone like me could endorse that. And I know this is a, maybe a little bit of a provocative thing to say, but I've heard it said that, you know, if you don't vote, then you can't complain about the, vote, about the election result. Well, I think the same is kind of true in regards to COVID-19, we are faced with a pandemic. It's disrupted all of our lives. And 2020 is a year that we're going to be telling our grandkids about someday. But if you proceed without vaccination and you refuse to accept a, a community solution to our mass um, national problem, then it's not okay for you to complain about COVID-19. It's provocative. You can respond to me and, and tell me that I'm crazy to say that. But I think we need to be informed, and then we need to make an informed decision. So, in summary, I am advocating for the flu vaccine. That's now becoming available. I advocate for that. It's super important that we don't have compounding problems. And a flu vaccine is such a simple, cheap, effective way of controlling a secondary problem that gets us every year because of those who are unwilling to get vaccinated. I'm advocating a COVID vaccine when available. I'm advocating in the meantime and during these holidays, as painful as it is, to try to adhere to public health recommendations. Um, The recommendations are not perfect. I've shared that on previous podcasts. I scratch my head about some of them. Um, But I think we should follow them, not because they're perfect and not because they're mandated, but because of community responsibility. It's a role that we can play. 
So I ask you to lean into this topic, talk about it with your family, talk about it with those that that you love, and make an informed decision. I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. You can go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and and subscribe. You can subscribe on YouTube um, and please spread the word about this podcast. That's the, the, the greatest thing I can ask from you is to spread the word because you've been enjoying these and you have confidence in them. And check out gofam.org. You can find great resources about family, about your family, about marriage and parenting. I appreciate you so much. Uh, Thank you. And I made it without coughing through this whole podcast. So that's a blessing. (laughs) I appreciate you so much. Now let's go together to set and shape the culture.